Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. <laughs> how, how you folks doing? Good, because that's just what you always ask when you stand up here and you don't know what else to say. How y'all doing? Yeah, great. Oh. <laughs> Jesus is here. Do you feel him? And Our Lady walking among us? Hallelujah. Well, we have some change in plans, and I think that they're good, very good. Last night, we ended up kind of doing a, we kind of did an adoration last night. We did. So rather than this afternoon do adoration, I said to Father Jim Blunt, you speak. You say, would you like to hear Father Jim again? I would. So Father Jim will take the adoration portion this afternoon. That's the plan. So this will be my last session with you. And um, what a beautiful night we had last night. But before I say anything more, I want to share with you that song. Remember I was telling you yesterday about the mission I went to? It was a blizzard. Eleven people showed up. And I knelt down at the start of the mission and I had my guitar. Sound system wasn't working, so I think I cranked the microphone down. And, and as I was playing, this song, all of a sudden, God just began to give me the words to this song. And at the end of the night, as I was telling you, a lady was healed. She was healed that night. So I wanted to share with you that song. I normally play this at the beginning of adoration. And it's called, Here You Are. And Jesus is here. Um, he's here with us now. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we... We want to invite our mother to come because I, I really feel this talk that you and I are going to enter into the school of Mary. We're not done class. We had a beautiful class with, with Our Lady and Christine. Now you understand why her and I laugh all the time, right? We're going to continue this time with Our Lady. And so we ask your intercession, Mary, above all, that your spouse, the Holy Spirit, descend upon this room, that this become like a new Pentecost right here in this room in Trinidad. I've been praying all month that God would set you on fire. That's just been the prayer in my heart over and over again. Lord, set these people on fire. Because there's already a spark here, a beautiful spark. It's already humming, like just dancing coals, but the Lord wants to blow you into a furnace. That all of Trinidad will feel it, even though they're not here this afternoon, they will feel the heat of the furnace of your love. This is what God wants to do on this beautiful, consecrated island. And you can do it because Jesus is here.
incense burning my heart yearning for you you are the grain of wheat for us your lambs to Just as you said, Jesus, here you are. Holy place, meeting face to face.
gathered in my name, there I am, Jesus said, in your midst. The Catechism says the very name of Jesus contains the very presence it signifies. Did you know that? The name of Jesus contains the very presence it signifies. So when you say the name of Jesus, you're invoking his presence. And that's why when we curse the name of Jesus, we invoke another presence that is not his. That is not his presence. But when you say the name of Jesus with love and adoration, you're invoking him. That's why the Jesus prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or just the name of Jesus, saying it throughout the whole day, invokes his presence into your heart. Learn to do this. As often as you breathe, Jesus, I trust in you, Jesus. You know, that's such a beautiful prayer God gave us because we're living in times of such, just such anxiety, right? Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. You take care of everything. That prayer means so much to me because Satan attacked my wife and I who are madly in love, but... All the strain and stress of our ministry and me living in isolation where we are, it just a lot of things, the enemy crept in. We had some cracks. And two Christmases ago, we were under strain. And the thing is, the enemy, he creates judgments in our hearts against each other. And these judgments, he feeds them to the point where you think it's impossible to heal a relationship. And my wife and I got to that place. And it was just, all of a sudden, it just blew up on us like a festering boil. And so, I left and I went away um, to stay with a friend, just in, in some time apart, to gather my wits and to pray. And the Lord directed me to the novena of abandonment, the one that Father Jim gave you. Jesus, I surrender to you. You take care of everything. And I did it for nine days in Jesus. And you see, I was ready to go to the United States. I, had some, I have some friends in the States who offered me their, their homes. They have second homes out in the country. And I just thought, I just need to go and pray. But something was holding me back. My spiritual director said, if God's calling you into the desert, go. But if it's, if it's the wolf, he'll destroy you. And so I was like, Jesus, I want to be sure this time apart from Leah is what you want. And I entered into this novena, praying the name of Jesus. Jesus, I, you have to, if you don't know where to find it, go to my website, thenowword.com. Type in the search bar, novena, and it'll pop up. It's right there. And I also did another writing on it, just a meditation on it. But the novena, it's the most beautiful novena I've ever prayed in my life because the words are right from Jesus and he's just consoling you saying, 
I'll take care of it. And he teaches you, you know, stop grasping, stop trying to control it. I'll take care of everything. The ninth day of the novena, I go to Mass, and that morning was dark. I had no peace. I came back to my friend's house. He was still sleeping. And I'm sitting in the chair, looking out the window at the river. This beautiful view he had. And I said, Jesus, this is it. I'm just going to do my morning prayer, and then I'm going to pack the car and go to the States. This is the ninth day. I did my novena. And I'm praying in my prayer. And as I'm praying, a word comes to me out of the blue, totally out of the blue, codependency. And I, I, I couldn't remember exactly what it was, so I looked it up on the internet. And I began to read many of the tendencies I'd had for years in codependent relationships. And the Lord was showing me that I had, I was starting to form that with my own wife. And it was sucking her dry. It was, it was diminishing my own dignity. And I, I finished my prayer. And I wrote my wife a letter. And I said, this is what Jesus showed me. It was Christmas Eve. All our kids were with my other, the other kids. The older siblings took the younger ones. We're a family that's in love with each other. And it was heartbreaking. And I couldn't believe it. This happens to everybody else, but not to us. We're a ministry family. We're a happy family. What is going on, right? And I wrote her this letter. And my wife wrote back, because up till then she was saying, no, we need time apart. But she wrote back. She said, yes, this is what this is what we're dealing with. Come home, honey. Within three hours, I was home. And God's just been healing us ever since. We've, we're falling in love all over again. And it's never that we didn't fall out of love. But sometimes as a couple, you hit the midlife. And I know some of you understand. You, you start to, you know, I'm looking in the mirror now. I, say, I don't even recognize myself. There was a new wrinkle this morning. That wasn't there yesterday. I even skipped the gray. I went straight to white. I mean, it, it, there is a real thing called midlife crisis. And it, you know, I used to think it was for people who are insecure, you know, people who always go on cruise ships, <laughs> looking, for, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I realized, no, it's true, because you see your kids starting to leave home. And you, and you start to feel a little irrelevant. Does that make sense? You start to feel a little irrelevant because you see how they're getting on their own and they're, they're creating families. You know, Lee and I, are, we had eight children. I think it was four years ago we conceived again. We were both so excited. One more kick at the cat. <laughs> we knew it was a girl. We, we named her Sophia. And then Leah miscarried. And that's it. She's, we've never cycled again and that was it. It was this last push of her body. And there, there you are. And you, you, you see your kids, you see yourself growing old. And you can start to see the, the twilight. You can start to see it on the horizon. I mean, I'm not old, but I'm starting to feel a bit old. My boys are outrunning me and outskating me now. 
And it's hard. And if you don't embrace it, it'll eat you. It'll eat you up. You have to embrace it and you have to see your aging. Because most of the crowds I talk to now, they're, they're, they're older crowds. There's actually more young people in this crowd than I've seen in a long time. And I love it. I love it. By the way, Father Jim said yesterday, he said he felt that God was setting aside Trinidad. You know what the Lord told me? This is a special people. This was weeks ago when I was, well, months ago when I was invited. This is a special people. Your faith here is so alive. The music, everything, your bishop, something's going on here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of growing old. It's God's built-in way of rooting out the vanity of our young years. Hey, the flower's losing the bloom, isn't it? It's humbling. It's humbling to look in the mirror and go, what the heck? <laughs> but you know what that is? That's God's way of turning you to what matters. Because your beauty, your possessions, your career, it's all chaff in the wind. And life comes and goes like a wind. How fast it goes. I'm already a grandpa. How many years do I have left? I'm 52. How many years do I have left? Who knows? 50-year-olds are dropping dead left and right. Or I'm hearing it all over the place. So this is God's way of saying prepare. And not just for me, for you young people too. You know, what I said to you last night, I interrupted Father Blount. I don't do this very often in people's talk. A prophetic word for you, that if you are worried about this life, about your things, your possessions, you have not yet fully fallen in love with God and His kingdom. Because when you fall in love with God, everything else begins to pale. And you begin to hunger for the kingdom. You begin to secretly long because you don't want to tell your spouse, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> but you want to go to heaven. And everything else just pales. And so Jesus gently shows us this tug of war with the world and the flesh. It's still that I haven't yet fully given my whole heart, soul, and strength to him. And he wants it. As I said yesterday, I've never said this before, but it sure struck my heart. To love Him with all our heart, soul, and strength. All our heart, all our soul, all our strength. So that we can have all of Him. The, you know what? Video games, illicit sex, gluttony. Such a poor exchange for the eternal God. Poor exchange. But it's so hard to let go of that coffee, isn't it? <laughs> Last year the Lord asked me... It, you know, Christine's testimony inspired me because I went home and I, I looked at my own attachments last year. And that's when the Lord convicted me. You know, I, I, I had a pipe and I, I would puff on this pipe. And you know, the Lord showed me, I bought that pipe when my wife was, had left home and gone to be with her mother when she had brain cancer. And Leah was gone for almost two months and I was dying. I was, I was alone. I was like, oh, God, this is so hard. And I, I went out and I bought a pipe just to kill some time. And ever since then, that was like, I don't know, eight years ago, I would pull out this pipe every once, not very often, but you know, every two, three weeks or something. 
But it was like the Lord was saying, you went to the pipe for your comfort, not to me. And as I was telling you yesterday, the Lord was saying, no, you're maybe not getting drunk, but you're going to a glass of wine or watching sports for comfort. Like, you know, sometimes you guys all place us on a pedestal. You forget we're going through our own journey. And I'm happy to share it with you because, you know, when I read about the saints and their struggles, that's when I'm healed. Like, oh my gosh, Catherine Doherty, she's human, you know? Oh my gosh, St. Therese was a rat when she was young, you know? St. Teresa of Avila, she was like me. She never really took God serious until she was over 50. Did you know that? She kind of played around with her vocation and then God said, get serious. And this last year, the Lord said to me, get serious, Mark. I mean, not that I wasn't unserious, but there's a part of me, it's like, I'm not giving it to you, Jesus. So you know what I did that day? Not only did I pour my wine on the ground, but I went and took that tobacco and threw it in the incinerator. And I want to tell you what happened. As I collected this tobacco, I started to weep. By the time I walked to the incinerator, I was sobbing. And my wife is standing there by the barn looking at me like, dude, you're just burning it. It's all. But she knew something was going down. I didn't know what it was either. It wasn't until I burnt it and I went in the house, the Lord said, you had an attachment when you went for consolation and this was me letting it out. This was Jesus showing me this deep sorrow that I was feeling. Instead of taking my wound to Jesus, I took it to tobacco. I took it to this. I took it to that. Whatever the comfort was. And I, I have to tell you, since that day, I'm like a bird that's free. And I'm flying. And I'm flying. And I, I, I love it. And I still have things God's showing me that I need to purify. But Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, you know, um, I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard sometimes to give up those things that you, like, like she gave up coffee, like, hey, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> if you knew my apostolate, I, I live on coffee. <laughs> no, the Lord's telling me, I says, yeah, you need to cut back, so I'm cutting back. But here's the point. When you go to heal your wounds... With anything other than Jesus, that song, here you are. When you go to Mass every Sunday, he says, here I am in the disguise of bread. Just as I said, here I am. And we say, here you are. And you come to Jesus and you say, okay. Don't just say, and this is what I did for years. Lord, oh, I'm struggling, Lord. I, I know I eat too much. Or Lord, I go to confession. I'm sorry, Jesus. You know, I, I had one too many glasses of wine. Or Jesus, you know, I shouldn't have but we don't give it up. <laughs> we repent, but we really don't make that next step, which is to say, no more. Listen, listen, this is graphic, but what would you think tonight, you go home, and your spouse is lying in bed with another person? You would be brokenhearted. That's how God feels when we invite those adulterous people those adulterous attachments, rather, into your heart. That's how God felt. Ouch. <laughs> and so, when I made that concrete act, I am divorcing myself from this Jesus. And I want to tell you, the Lord also said to me, you have the freedom to go back. But I also, I want this sacrifice for souls. So it makes me so happy because now I have a purpose. You know, is this the problem with the Buddhist tradition? 
I mean, they go into meditation, they empty themselves, right? But they don't fill up with anything. That's the problem with it. You empty, you, there's all this asceticism, but they left, they're left empty. In Christian contemplation, we empty, we detach, we repent, so that we can be filled with God himself. Oh, hallelujah. It's true and it's real. And I'm here to tell you today, those of you who are scared, you are terrified right now to let go of your attachments. And some of you are struggling with attachments that you, you, it's almost beyond your capability. Pornography is one. And, and you're going, I can't, I can't do it. Well, this is the place where you start to make some concrete decisions today whatever you have to do. And if you have to check into a counselor, check into a counselor. There's no shame in it. During that time with my wife and I, so I went to see a marriage or, or just a counselor, but to, just to reflect some things. My spiritual director suggested it. He said, there are some wounds that only God can heal. That's the spiritual level, but you need some wounds in which therapists, psychologists can help you unwind in your head. Would you agree, Christine? Because that's Christine's field. You know, one psychologist, he said, all I do when I let people come to my office, he said, to be honest, he said, and I'm not a Catholic and I'm not, I'm not trying to support the Catholic Church, but what I do when people come into my office, I just try and get them to confess their sins. He said, they just need to get it out. He says, 90% of the healing in my office happens when people just get it out. <laughs> Amazing, eh? God's a great psychologist. I didn't know what I was going to talk about, by the way, this morning. None of this is planned. This is Our Lady's School. I just trust. You see, here, here's the thing. By His wounds, we are healed, right? It says in the Bible, by His wounds, we are healed. Now, listen, you and I are the body of Christ. You and I have wounds. And when I share these wounds with you, allowing the light of Jesus to shine through those wounds, you are experiencing a healing even right now. Some of you are experiencing because I am part of the body of Christ. And because I've allowed Jesus to come into the, because of that, and I'm letting his light now, the light of truth and this vulnerability shine through me, you are going, hey, I can do this too. You heard Christine and you heard what Christine did and you go, hey, I can do it too. I mean, I thought Christine had it all together and now I see that she had to give some things. I thought Mark Mallon had it all together. Wow. Boy. If you only knew, eh? If you only knew the tears that are shed in Christine's office and mine when he sends us to these places and we have to come with our own brokenness. But in that weakness, Jesus is strong. It was a beautiful talk this morning. Our Lady was so present through you. And you said to me yesterday, I can't, I, you know, I can't preach without, you did beautiful, Christine. Because you know what's so beautiful about you, Christine? You're like a little child. This is what I've known about you for a year now. You're like a little child. And you just, Our Lady says, do this book and you just do this book. Do this website and you just do it. And she's challenging me. Like she's saying, you, Mark, God gave you gifts in television. You need to go back on TV. Honestly, I'm scared. <laughs> it's hard. So these things. We just have to bring to the Lord. And, and what does it say in Psalm 51? A humble and broken heart, he will not spurn. I have held that scripture over the Lord time and again. Because I'll come back to him and I'll say, Lord, I really messed up. But you said, 
a humble and broken heart you will not spurn. So here I am, Jesus. Did you know he said to St. Faustina that in the confession, he said the miracle of divine mercy is so, for, so powerful that we're one to come and be like a decaying corpse in the confessional. That's the spiritual state. Like a decaying corpse, divine mercy will totally restore that person. You see what Satan has done? He's turned our confessionals into broom closets. Honest to God, I've traveled throughout North America. I do, I've done concerts and hundreds of them, missions and so on. I come in and sometimes I'm looking for something, maybe an extra cord or something, and I open the confessional and it's stacked with chairs. I open the next one, stacked with vacuums. And then you know the spiritual state of that parish. One priest even said to me, he said, he boasted to me, he said, I haven't heard a confession in two years. I said, really, Father? He goes, no. He says, because, he said, when you, in the act of contrition during Mass, he says, he says, and during the Eucharist, you receive the Eucharist, he says, God forgives your sins. And I tell you, none of my parishioners are in mortal sin. Oh, Lord. You know, he's a priest, so I honored him. I, I felt, I'm not going to win an argument. I prayed for him. Two years later, I was invited back to that parish. It was a young priest. And I said, oh, Father, I said, I remember this parish and I was here. You had, you had such and such a priest. I mentioned his name. And he goes, oh, yes, he says, I'm still cleaning up the mess. <laughs> confession is God's, one of God's greatest gifts. You know what confession is? See, Calvary comes on the altar. Confession applies it. Calvary comes on the altar. All the graces of that resurrection... Confession applies it. Oh, hallelujah. I go to confession once a week. It's the greatest gift in my life. There in confession, I meet the tenderness of my Father. There in confession, I meet the warmth of Jesus, His unconditional love. And I, I have to tell you, it, it, almost without fail, the priest will almost always say something that I needed to hear a good word. I mean, if you have a confessor who's not a good confessor, well, then don't go to him anymore. Because remember, they're broken men. But even then, if he absolves you, you're absolved. Because Jesus is there in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. The priest is there. I go to my, by the way, I go to my own parish priest every week. And he sees my brokenness. Hello, Father. <laughs> How beautiful you are. <laughs> In Persani Christi. And I'm sorry, are you a priest or a bishop? <laughs> you are a priest? Are you the papal nuncio, right? I have five minutes left. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I had so much else I was going to say, and Mother had something else to say. She said, show your wounds, I guess. Okay. So confession. I want to tell you what John Paul II said. He said, unless... <laughs> How can I not use his accent? Unless you partake frequently of the sacrament of confession... <laughs> I 
one could not grow in holiness without partaking frequently of the sacrament of confession. <laughs> Young people, don't be afraid of Jesus waiting for you with open arms, telling you, be not afraid. Open wide your hearts to Jesus, who will enter and break the chains, cast out the demons, and set you free. For Christ has set us free for freedom. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> He's here, by the way. <laughs> I love it when he shows up. <laughs> Oh, we love you, Papa. Christ set us free for freedom. Remember that cage I told you about yesterday? Jesus is coming. He's thrown open the cage. But you, some of you today, are still in that rut. You won't let go. And Jesus wants you to come out. For years I did this. Years I did this. And I really, honestly, I feel like I didn't leave that cage until last year. I was poking out, I go out, and then I run back. <laughs> but now, with Jesus, I'm running up a mountain, and it's so exciting. Life with Christ is so beautiful that I, I don't understand why the world rejects it other than we're in a great spiritual battle. But the reason the world rejects it is because they haven't encountered Jesus in us. You and I literally are the hands and feet of Christ. If you and I aren't praying, and I was say I was going to talk about prayer, but let me just say it in summary. You need, as you carve out time for supper, you need to carve out time for prayer. Because in prayer, you see, you can miss supper, but you cannot miss prayer. You can fast from a meal, but you cannot fast from prayer, because in prayer is where we are transformed into Christ. You say, I don't know how to pray. Let me tell you this, pray and pray more. And the more you pray, the more God will teach you how to pray. And the more he teaches you how to pray, the more you'll want to pray. And the more you want to pray, the more he'll teach you even more. And you'll enter into a fire and a divine relationship. I was a child who was hyperactive. I could, I'd never, I read like two books by the time I was in grade 12. I was too restless. The idea of sitting down and praying was impossible to me until a lady took me by the hand and began to show me the beauty of what's called the interior life. See, the exterior life is doing, 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 doing. That's the problem with us Christians today. We do, 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 but we need to be, 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 so that people will touch something in us that's not just our talents and our skills and our rhetoric and our knowledge, but they touch Jesus Christ. I was there at World Youth Day when John Paul II drove by and I turned around and grown men were weeping. You know why? Because they felt Christ. And so this is what prayer and confession in the Eucharist, withholding the hand of Our Lady do, they let love live in us. Love is what the world needs, but love is not an emotion. Love is not eroticism. Love is a person and that has a name, God, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and love wants to live in you. And so, brothers and sisters, let me close with this song. It's my love song to you, <laughs> to our Lord. The greatest gift God gave me this weekend, honestly, was to hold each of your hands. That was such a gift to me. And when I was holding your hand, you know what, God? He let me experience our mother's heart. And I felt simultaneously God's love for you, each of you, and your love for him, and sometimes your lack of love for him. And I cried, and I smiled, and the Lord gave me many words of knowledge for many of you. Some of them, once in a while I spoke, but most of them I just prayed. It was beautiful. I experienced the torment of Our Lady's heart, how much she wants to give you Jesus, and yet she has to stop at the doorway of your will. So today, I want you to make this your prayer this morning. And pray it. Pray it as if you're in Pentecost and you believe right now that the Holy Spirit, that flame of love, will descend into your heart as you pray this with me. Okay? And we will wipe away the tears of Our Lady.
have not love, I am nothing. So love living me. I am weak. Oh, beloved, you are strong. So love living me. No longer I, self must die. Oh, my love, you are strong, so love, live.